0: Look with me at Luke chapter 5 verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and they had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Luke 5:18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. I want to pause right there for just a minute, get a little bit of background. I want us to put ourselves in this real-life story of what took place. Jesus is in this house. He is teaching. It's packed full of people, and we don't know the name of this paralyzed or this paraplegic man. I don't know. For the sake of discussion today, let's call him Pete, the paraplegic guy. While we are not told what his name is, he was a real person with real issues that were Right up in his life every single day, and he had these friends that were carrying him. They weren't just out for a walk. They weren't just say, "Hey, this is just our afternoon walk, carrying our fin- friend Pete around." No, they had a mission. They had heard about Jesus. They heard that Jesus had the power to bring healing. They knew their friend Pete had healing, and he took. They took him to Jesus. They didn't just stumble into the house. They were on an on-purpose mission. Look at verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now picture this with me. You go into this house and his buddies are there trying to bring Pete to Jesus. And they're trying to get into the house. It's totally packed. And they're pressing up against the crowd, and, and I could just imagine as they're taking their friend in, they, they come to this lady who's in front of them, and they're trying to make their way through, and they make their case, and they say, this is our friend Pete, and, and he's paralyzed, and he needs the touch of Jesus, and this lady, I don't know, the text doesn't tell us, but I could imagine would say, well... My hip needs touch. I need Jesus to heal me. And the person in front of her, he'd say, you know, I've got these things all over my skin. And I need Jesus to to heal me. And and there's person after person who has their own reason why they want to get close to Jesus. They want to see this Jesus. And there was no way for them to get in. They were pressing through the crowd. and, And then they got creative. They didn't allow the crowd to stop them to come to Jesus. And so they... They came up with this idea, let's, let's go to the roof. I don't know if you have friends in your life that are creative that when you need something, they're not going to take the first obstacle to say, oh, we tried, we're done. They kept pressing through. I can imagine. Well, let's just step up on that camel and dip on the fence and then up on the roof and, and we can dig through that grass and, and mud and thatched roof and remove the tile and we can just go right down to Jesus. We're going to do everything we can to get you there. It only takes... One guy with a goofy idea and determination to make sure they're going to get their friend to Jesus. Picture the dirt crumbling. This man is lowered down before Jesus. Everybody can see what's going on because it's right in the middle of the action. Look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message puts it this way, impressed by their bold belief. Do you know how to impress Jesus? It's with our faith in Him. Impressed, uh, staggered by this faith, Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Jesus, the God-man, standing right there, impressed by their bold belief, says, Friend, I forgive your sins. Now wait a minute. We need to take a time out because here this paraplegic is is seeking to be healed from his body and not that it's a bad thing to have your sins healed but i, I don't know if, if i'm the paraplegic guy if i'm pete and my friends are taking me to jesus the obvious need is i can't walk i can't run i can't ride my bike anymore and i want jesus to heal my body and he's taken there and jesus says your sins are forgiven i, I wonder if what went through his mind is that's good to forgive my sins but but i I don't want just my sins forgiven. I want, I want my legs to work again. I want my body to work again. And we begin to see another nuance of this real-life story that Jesus brings. Jesus knew the deeper need. He came to the understanding that this man not only had a sick body, but he had a sick soul, and he wanted to address all of the needs in his life. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking. (laughs) You've got to be careful what kind of thinking you do around Jesus. This is an interesting thought to me. By the way, we read this in Scripture. They were thinking these things. And Jesus says, well, how could you think such things? Word of warning, be careful what you think around Jesus. Which is easier to say, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. We have seen remarkable things today. A Pharisee, this teacher of the law, the one responsible for teaching, the one responsible for guarding the teaching of the church, they took upon themselves as Pharisees to be the people who would keep things in line and make sure that things were going correctly. This Pharisee was there in the midst of Jesus' teaching, and they were aggravated. Here Jesus would say, What's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, this question perplexed me. I don't know. It, it, it's got a similar amount of syllables. I don't know which one's easier to say. Now, if, if I'm going to say it, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk, I'd I feel more comfortable saying your sins are forgiven because h- how, do I, how do I judge that right away? But if I say get up and walk and then you don't get up and walk, I mean, that, that's kind of a hard thing to say. But, but what Jesus was driving at here and what they were all aggravated was... God is the only one who can forgive sins. And so Jesus is saying, I am the Son of God. I have the authority to meet the very core of the need. The Pharisees, this religious leader of the time, whose job it was to take control of religion, they freaked out. Jesus does this miraculous act. And Jesus heals this guy. And then it says he gets up praising And bringing glory to God as he leaves. Now I don't imagine that after he was healed that he climbed back up through the hole in the roof. My guess is he wanted to put action to these new legs of his to see how they would work. And he would make his way out. The crowd that had blocked him before now seeing this thing had to have parted. And he walked out. And can you imagine his friends? They had some faith. Some faith that they brought him to Jesus, but could it be that they were now paralyzed in their disbelief that this had taken place in this dramatic fashion? And they're leaving and giving praise to God. But the scripture says, all the people said, what we have seen, what we have witnessed here today is unbelievable. This is of God. And they gave praise to God. Now the question we need to ask is, who cares? So what? That was... 2,000 years ago, what does this mean to Brady? What does it mean to you? Why should we be concerned about this? Friend, I'm confident that God has a word for us today. He has some encouragement for us today. As we see how he worked then, he still works now. Now, if you have a different understanding of the Bible, if you think the Bible is a collection of exceptions, of things that happened one time that God never ever does again, then this may be very frustrating to you. But I believe that the Bible is a book of examples of what God has done and what he continues to do in our life. And I want us to begin to look and see what it is that could possibly be keeping you and me from Jesus. So this morning, I think there may be a number of different characters in this real life story that our hearts could identify with. First, when we ask the question of what is keeping us from Jesus, I wonder if it's the crowd that is keeping you from Jesus. Maybe you have never ever accepted Jesus Christ, and there's something blocking you from Jesus. And maybe you have fallen away from Jesus. You need to come back to Him. Maybe that you are a believer. There's no disobedience in your life, but there is a distance between you and Jesus. But the question is still the same: What is keeping you from Jesus? Could it be that the crowd is keeping you from Jesus? Is it the sway of the masses that keeps you from Him? Is it the busyness? ...of your life that keeps you from Jesus? Is it the demands that others have, the crowd around you, the demands that they have that are very real, that push you out? Are you surrounded by so much stuff that you have had a hard time seeing Jesus? Maybe it's not the crowd. Maybe it's your condition that keeps you from seeing Jesus. Is it your pain, the very real pain that you're going through that keeps you from Jesus? Is it your apathy that keeps you from Jesus? Is it that injustice that you've experienced that keeps you from being close to Jesus right now? Maybe for you it's your self-denial. I don't really need Jesus today that keeps you from Jesus. Is it your satisfaction with meeting Him once before in your life, but not desiring to meet Him every moment of your life that keeps you from Jesus today? Is it your condition, the condition of your body, the condition of your emotion, the condition of your soul, is it something that you are experiencing right now that is keeping you from Jesus? Maybe it's the critics. Maybe it's a fear of what other people will say that keeps you from Jesus. Maybe it's you being the critic, your own skeptical thoughts that keep you from Jesus. Is it your own criticism? Your criticism of others. Your criticism of the church. Your criticism of certain leaders that keeps you from Jesus. Friend, the fact of the matter is that Jesus is still doing miracles today. He still wants to have an encounter with you today. He wants to touch you today. He wants to be close in your life. But Satan hates it when you get close to Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to keep obstacles in your path. But Jesus has something for you today. Well, let's make this personal if you want a relationship with God and you don't have one, then let me give you some things that we can do. If you want to get back in right relationship with God, then let me give you some action steps. If you want to grow in your intimacy with the relationship with Jesus, here's some things that you can do. I can't do this for you, but it's what we do with our relationship with Jesus that makes all the difference. The first is this. Identify your roadblocks. The paraphrase says they were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd. There was a roadblock. There was an obstacle that stopped them. Can you identify what's blocking you from seeing Jesus? Getting close to Jesus. Friend, I walk through a litany of things. Is it that pain that you're facing that is blocking you from Jesus? Is that sin blocking you from Jesus? Is it that willful disobedience that's blocking you from Jesus today? Is it your passion to have your way more than Jesus' way that's blocking you. What is that obstacle that's in the way? I think for some of us, that obstacle is definitely some things that we want to deny. I think that that obstacle for some of us, it's things that we like to pretend that are not there. We like to pretend it's somebody else's fault. We like to pretend that it's some other issue, but there's a roadblock, and if we don't identify it, we can't move forward. We'll just pretend to say, it's not pride in my life. It's not disobedience in my life. It's not me being upset at someone else. No, that's not keeping me from Jesus. You can deny it all you want. It is an obstacle, and we need to identify it so we can move forward. I'm not asking you to make something up. But for the person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, the person who's fallen away and wants to rededicate their life to Jesus, the person who is a follower of Jesus but is a distance, is there anything that is blocking? Can you identify that roadblock? After we identify the roadblock, can we get rid of our excuses? They went up on the roof and removed some of the tiles. Once we identify them, it's tempting to just give an excuse. Well, Brady, if you had the upbringing that I had, you'd have this bitterness. Brady, if you had the experience of injustice that I had, then you too would have this issue with this person or this institution or this thing. If you had the strong temptations that I had, then you too would give in to this friend. Don't make excuses. I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through. I'm not trying to say that if I knew every part of your story, it wouldn't break my heart. I'm sure it would. But what I'm trying to say is in compared to who Jesus is, excuse is not worth it. The roadblock doesn't make sense. And no matter how much of an injustice you were given, no matter how much of a temptation you face, no matter how dark the day seems, it does not compare to the greatness of what Jesus wants to do in your life. Don't settle just for the roadblock, just for the excuse how easy it would have been for these guys who took their friend to Jesus to give the excuse and say, we tried. We tried. We took them out. We got them close. There's a crowd. There's a line. Other people are in line. And so what are we to do? I'm just going to give up. But they had the tenacity to say, no, we're going to keep pressing in. We're going to look for every possible way and not give up until we were with Jesus. I don't think that the Scripture gives us enough clues to know their personality. But I don't think the Scripture would be telling us that, well, this is because they're such extroverted guys, or such uh, flamboyant guys that they would just dig holes and roofs and get to places. I think what we can take from this passage of Scripture is that there was a perceived urgency in this man's physical condition, and there was a perceived uh, importance of how Jesus was the only one who could help. And you put those together, and you get the outcome of what they did. Get rid of the excuses. Do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. Third, What do we do with this? Don't hide your pain. They let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. As this paralyzed man was being lowered right in front of Jesus, how could he hide what's wrong with him? Everyone knew what the problem was. Everyone could see. They were in on what was taking place, and yet so many times we try to hide our pain. We try to hide what it is we need to have an encounter with Jesus about because we're afraid of what others will say. We're afraid that we won't we'll be judged We'll be, for all these other reasons. Don't hide your pain. You can hide your pain from me. You may be able to hide your pain from the person next to you, but you can't hide it from Jesus. Jesus sees every aspect of your pain. And when we come to him and say, Jesus, I'm going to bear all. I'm going to be transparent before you. Something happens. I identify the roadblock. I get rid of the excuses. I get as close to him as I can. And I don't hide the pain. Finally, express faith and experience the miracle of forgiveness. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, friend, I forgive you. So many of us, we go through all of this and we come to Jesus, we identify the roadblocks, we stop making excuses, we we don't hide the pain, and yet we never come to a place where we express our faith in Jesus. We confess with our mouth that the sin in our life is what he says it is wrong. We confess with our mouth that the things that are holding us up are not in comparison to him, and we repent and receive forgiveness. If we don't do this, we miss it. Could I make a move to experience that? I want to pause this morning and and ask you to begin to identify where you fit in all this. Maybe it's the paralyzed man that you connect with. Because there's something very personal in your condition that can be a roadblock between you and being close to Jesus. It may actually be a physical thing where you need Jesus to bring healing to your body. It may be your condition of unrepentant sin in your heart. It may be a crippling fear and anxiety in your life. It may be a, a desire for you to have your own plans achieved more than Jesus' plans. What is it that is is, is keeping you from experiencing Jesus? He wants to have an encounter with you today. <laughs> If you've since am hesitating, I'm trying to be obedient to God, and I don't know that I want to share every story He's telling me to share, but I'd rather be obedient than do what I feel comfortable. So we'll just let it happen. I'm convinced that there's many. I was going to say one, and the Lord said, say many. And I said, that's rude. I should say one. And He said, do what I said. There's many here that what keeps us from seeing Jesus is this. (laughs) Ha-ha! You got it, Joe. That's it. And, and I share this with you, and I, I hesitate because it moves my heart because I have been this guy who says, I, I am the person who is charged with keeping things in order. I am the person who is charged to make sure that God works a certain way and happens a certain way. But Jesus has taken my heart from this to a heart of this. And he said, Brady, I've called you to, to love on people who are this and allow their heart to be this. And I challenge you today, friend, maybe your connection is, is with the critic. Maybe where you see I, I identify that what's keeping me from Jesus is, is the critic. Because I've had all these things I'm frustrated with how it should have gone this way or that way or other ways. I'll never forget when I was in Olivet Nazarene University and just completed there. And I was going on to Nazarene Theological Seminary and in our preparation for ministry, there's lots of time for evaluation and critique. And this is a good thing, but something weird happens at times when we're growing and learning. And there was a season in my life, it was my problem, it wasn't anybody else's problem, that every sermon that I would hear, I would critique because I had learned the tools to critique. And every sermon that I would hear, I would give a grade. Now, rarely would I share that with an individual, but sometimes I would. Even more rarely would they even care to listen to what I had to say. But the tragedy was not for the person. The tragedy was for my heart because I was in such a role of saying, hey, we don't dig holes in roofs like that. We don't just cut in line when people are wanting to see Jesus. We do it a certain way and Jesus gets to do whatever Jesus wants to do. Amen? Amen. And friends, I'm not saying there's not a place to have any kind of critique. I'm just trying to say don't let it get in the way of seeing Jesus. Don't let it get in the way of you experiencing Jesus. Finally, the fifth, live in a way that represents a changed life. Without a moment of hesitation, he did it. He got up, took his blanket, left for home, giving glory to God all the way. For some of us, the takeaway from this is not only to identify the obstacles, to stop making excuses, to stop hiding in pain, to experience forgiveness, but for some of us, we need to live in a way that represents our life has changed. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life is to fall in love with Jesus. If that's our prayer, somebody needs to tell our face that we can tell someone else that it's actually a good thing. I think sometimes we live the Christian life is, oh, help me, God. Help me just hang on. Someday I'm going to get to heaven. Someday I'll make, how are you go? Oh, I'm making it somehow. I don't want to make it somehow. I want to make it with all the love of Jesus in my life. Now, I'm not trying to say that you don't have pain. I'm not trying to say it doesn't hurt when people say stupid things about you. Just D- take it for Jesus. Let Jesus be all that you need. Now, here's the kicker: if you hear someone like Lorraine say it's the best thing I've ever done is is to love Jesus, and it feels strange, just get close to Jesus. Don't make up an encounter. For heaven's sake, you don't have to try to help God out. Just get close to Jesus. Let Him do the miraculous in your life. But Satan will be very, very persistent to make sure the crowd, to make sure your condition, to make sure you or other critics will block you from seeing what Jesus wants to do. I'm going to ask Pastor Edgar to come. And as we close this morning, I want to invite you to allow this real-life account... From Scripture, to leap off the page and to allow Jesus to make good on his promise in your life. So I ask you, friend, what is it today that could possibly be keeping you from Jesus? Maybe it's a skewed idea of who he is. Maybe you think that Jesus is mad at you. Maybe you think that he's ready to throw lightning bolts down at you. He loves you. He loves you enough that he wants to work on things in your life and and, and bring some change in your life, but he loves you. Don't let a skewed idea of who Jesus is get in the way of what he wants to do in your life. Maybe you're here today. It's the whole crowd thing. You love Jesus. You're not trying to run from him. You're not trying to resist him. It's just a bunch of stuff, a bunch of busyness, a bunch of real needs of other people around you that they're just kind of there and and you're not trying to get through, But, but friend, don't give up. Press in. Come. Do everything you can to get in the presence of Jesus. Maybe, maybe today, God will do something and free you in your heart from the fear of people who do this in your life maybe he will free you like he's done and is continuing to do in me and to, to free you from being a person who does this and just say, Jesus, you are the one that we serve and you don't need me to try to make sure we keep your gig in order now hear me, I'm not making a case for chaos for the sake of chaos I'm just making a case for Jesus If he's powerful enough to speak and things come into existence, I think he's powerful enough to make sure his word gets preached the way it wants to be preached. What I want to ask you to do in about 15 seconds, I want to give you an opportunity to resist the thousands and thousands of reasons that Satan will bring to your mind to, to keep you from Jesus. There will be all kinds of reasons why you should not come forward and pray. In just a minute, we're going to open up the altars and pray. If you're new at Grace Point, these benches up here, these altars, it's not the only place we pray, but it's a good place to pray. And we come forward because when Jesus calls a disciple, he says, put feet to your faith, step out and come forward, and let's pray. And in just a minute, we're going to have an opportunity to seek Jesus, those who don't know Jesus, to, to meet him for the first time. Those who need to recommit their life, to, to come and, and recommit their life and meet with Jesus. For, for many who have a relationship with Jesus, there's no willful disobedience, but they need an intimacy with him. And there's things that are blocking that with him. We want to meet him here. But here's what's going to happen. Right now, there's thousands of things bombarding your mind of why why there should be a roadblock why you shouldn't do. And guess what? I'm one of them. Someone is just, well, that's what's happening. And he's going to be someone, or someone. I am not that important. Don't let me keep you from Jesus. He's not that important. Don't let him keep you from Jesus. That pain that you're feeling in your body, it's real. I'm not denying it, but don't let that keep you from Jesus. The person across the row from you, I know there's there's something you need to work through, but don't let them keep you from Jesus. The the, the discomfort, the possible embarrassment, I know it's a real thing, but don't let that keep you from meeting Jesus. Here's why. Not to minimize what you're feeling or going through, but I want to maximize how good Jesus is. If God is speaking to you, don't wait for anybody else. But you just do the tough thing. You stand up as we sing. And you come. And let's meet God at this place of prayer. If God's speaking to you, let's do that right now. Jesus, Jesus. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who've come today. Thank you for the one who is here confessing that they want relationship with you for the first time. Jesus, I, I pray that you'll help them right now to focus in on their heart's prayer, not these words that are not that important, but their heart. That Friend, if if you're here wanting to accept Jesus, I encourage you in your mind to to pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, I know that there's things that I've said and done wrong, and I know those things are sin, and that sin separates me from you. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin today. I confess it to you. That means I, I say the same thing that you say about it, that it's wrong. And Lord, I repent. With your help, I don't want to continue to live in that. I want you to help me go the other direction with you. Would you would you be in charge of my life and direct my life? Father, I pray that you'll bless my brother or sister, Lord. I pray that you would let them know that all of heaven is exploding right now in celebration. as another son and daughter that has come to you. Jesus, I pray that you'll remind them of of your words that, that give us a promise. That, that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our life on you, Jesus that you are risen from the dead, that you are who you say you are. Your word promises that we will be saved. Lord, let them have the assurance that you are saving them right now. Lord, I pray for my other friends that are retedicating their life to you. They have drifted. There may be a new area of unconfessed sin that they want to bring to you, Lord. There may be a a new desire to let you have a deeper role in their life, God. Would you encourage them today? Would you encounter them today, Jesus? Lord, I pray for my brother and sister, who you've not highlighted any area of disobedience, but you begin to highlight obstacle after obstacle after obstacle that is blocking their intimacy with you. And Jesus, they don't want to make excuses. They don't want to hide their pain. They want you to speak to it and to remove it. And so God, I ask that you will remove that pain in their life God, I pray that you will remove that bitterness in their life. God, I pray that you would heal that wound in their life. God, for the one who has a physical need, God, I pray that you bring a healing to their very body. At the cellular level, God, would you bring healing to that body? In the name of Jesus Christ, would the pain be gone? Lord, I pray for the emotions. In your name, Jesus, would the wounds, with the tears, with the fractures be brought together. Lord, in the Spirit, would you remove apathy and replace it for a hunger and thirst for you, Jesus? Father, now I I thank you that what Jesus did, he is still doing today. With all authority in heaven and all authority on earth been given to Jesus, he commands, get up and walk, and the healing takes place. Jesus, would you give us a sense of your mighty move in our spirit today? By the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Jesus, for the hope, for the healing that you're bringing, for the salvation that you're bringing to my brothers and sisters. And would you give us the boldness to live in such a way that we showcase you, Jesus, and not our preference. We showcase you, Jesus, and not our opinion. We showcase you, Jesus, and not our own tribe. We showcase what you, the Messiah, has done in our life. Lord, I pray everyone watching will begin to see and take note that we have been with you. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, I want to thank you for your great attention this morning. I want to allow those who've come pray, to pray as long as they'd like. If you have friends up here, don't leave by themselves. You can come and pray with them. If you have obligations, as it always is, you're always free to go. What we're about, we're creating a culture of responsiveness here, friend. When Jesus speaks, we won't have time for people to, to respond, but if you ever have an obligation you have to slip out, you have freedom to do that. But in just a moment, some of you may have obligations you need to go to, but I challenge you,
1: as you go today,
0: whether you stay and pray or whether you go to other obligations, I challenge you, to do everything you can to get close to Jesus. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't allow anger or bitterness to get into your heart. There has never been such a day as there is today for the church of Jesus Christ to get so close to Jesus. Let him get all over us and shine the light to people around us. May God bless you. You're dismissed.